0: So, some of you may have heard that Pope Francis has just put out a new encyclical, Laudate Deum, which is a follow-up to an encyclical he put out a few years ago called Laudato Si. Now, an encyclical is a letter from the Pope to bishops of the Church about some matter of doctrine. But really, the intended audience these days is all Catholics, or even more broadly, just everybody, And that everybody definition is certainly true of these most recent encyclicals, which are about the realities of climate change, what that means in both ecological and spiritual terms, how all of that ties in with global poverty, and the weight of responsibility carried by wealthy societies that have benefited the most from all that has caused climate change, and by responsibility, I do mean both culpability, we've done a lot of the causing, right, and moral obligation. It falls to us to clean up the mess we've made. So as a Catholic or bad Catholic or a former Catholic, let's just say I've got a lot of Catholic running through my veins, both in terms of my religious history and my academic training, I'm interested in the big pronouncements coming out of the Catholic Church, especially from this Pope who's done so much to welcome those who've previously been shunned and to speak to issues of poverty and consumerism and hypocrisy and of course, climate. So the release of this latest encyclical has me thinking a lot about climate change and its effect on those who experience poverty on the way we view nature, and on the spiritual groundings and implications of all of this. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's pull out a few points from that previous climate encyclical, Laudato Si, to get us started. Francis builds this encyclical around the idea of integral ecology. It's an ecological understanding that doesn't look at the environment or climate in isolation, but rather emphasizes the continuity of human relationships with the natural world, with oneself, with other humans, and with the divine. Under the paradigm of integral ecology, holding all of this in balance is required to hold any of it in balance. We cannot seek happiness or wholeness without awareness and concern for how all of this is integrated into all of our connections and relationships, both human and otherwise. Here's a quote from the encyclical about how some of these principles um, and the concepts it addresses. The intimate relationship between the poor and the fragility of the planet, the conviction that everything is connected, the critique of new paradigms and forms of power derived from technology, the call to seek other ways of understanding the economy and progress, the value proper to each creature, the human meaning of ecology, the need for forthright and honest debate, the serious responsibility of international and local policy, the throwaway culture, and the proposal of a new lifestyle. Sounds pretty darn UU and its objectives, doesn't it? Yeah, that's why I'm bringing it up here. So this encyclical looks to the biblical account of creation as grounding for understanding the human relationship with nature but rather than that whole lords and masters concept that probably a lot of us have heard and are familiar with, right? Francis explains that the creation stories show an intimate connection among all creatures, and that the natural environment is the collective good, the patrimony of all humanity and the responsibility of everyone. He highlights the human relationship with God, other humans, and the earth itself, and calls the brokenness of each of these relationships sin. Now, that's not a word that you use, generally use, or are comfortable with. But when we think about Francis's meaning of a broken relationship rather than a list of actions, we probably find ourselves more in agreement When sin is understood as shorthand for causing harm, we can look around and see sin all over the place, both within ourselves and outside ourselves. I still don't like the word because of all its baggage, right? But recognizing the harm we do as we break relationships with ourselves, others, God, and nature, well, that fact, that we never do just one of these, but rather all of these together, that's something that we all profoundly need to understand. So let's circle back to this idea of integral ecology, the continuity of all of these relationships. It would be easy to say that the spiritual foundation of this ecological understanding is the human divine connection but that kind of misses the point. So I'm gonna really hope that the Pope believes in God since that's kind of, you know, his job, but that's not really the foundational spiritual premise here. It's more that we can't separate out what we experience with the holy, however we define that, from what we experience with the natural world, with others and with ourselves. We can't do some pie-in-the-sky move and call it good. We have to put in the work to be in right relationship in all of these ways to have a meaningful spirituality. Otherwise, we're putting up barriers to recognizing who we really are, beings in relationship, beings of relationship. And it's the spiritual premise of relationship rather than the pride-inducing sense of ownership or a soul-crushing sense of responsibility that undergirds how we exist, or at least how we can exist in the world and everything that flows from it. If we share relationship with everything, which, by the way, to me, sounds a whole lot like respect for the interdependent web of existence of which we are all a part, then we recognize the hurt that the planet experiences not just because it inconveniences us, but because we hurt along with it. As Francis puts it, we dare to turn what is happening in the world into our own personal suffering and thus to discover what each of us can do about it. Our own personal suffering. And we don't do this in isolation, but especially with the effect that climate change has on those experiencing poverty. We recognize that the brutal disparity in income and living conditions in different sectors of the world are being exacerbated by climate change because they do not have the financial means to prepare for or recover from climate catastrophes, those with less are being affected more. In this relational sense, wealthier societies like our own must recognize that the pain of one is the pain of all that climate catastrophes demolishing the lives of those in poverty is affecting the we, not the they, which leads us to ask, what are we all working together going to do about it? Well, first we have to recognize that as Francis puts it, nature cannot be regarded as something separate from ourselves or a mere setting in which we live. This means we have to pay attention to the natural world in the midst of all human endeavors. What does it mean to really start paying attention to the needs of the earth as we think about economy and set policy, as we define the ethics of technological advancement, as we think about the needs of families and societies, to recognize the wonder and importance of nature to see ourselves and the entirety of our lives as within rather than above or even just separate from it, is to acknowledge both dependence and sacred duty. So let's walk back about 13 centuries and check in with Christian theologian, John of Damascus. John was writing at a time of something called the Iconoclasm Controversy when churches in the eastern part of Christianity were all up in arms about whether or not it was lawful to have icons in churches. Some started from the Ten Commandments statement that there shall be no graven images and said flat no. Others, like our friend John here, said that the meaning of the commandment was not to worship something created but that once God took human form in the person of Jesus, the invisible, immaterial, incomprehensible had become visible, material, and comprehensible. So images were fine. Why, you wonder, am I bringing John into our discussion? Because his writings about the use of icons weren't really about whether or not to hang some wood with some paint slapped on it up in churches. But rather, whether or not matter, the material world, is good. It's really easy to slip into a spirit-good, matter-bad dichotomy from within Christianity. has happened a lot, right? And John saw this happening in the iconoclasm controversy. But here's the thing. It's really easy to slip into a spirit good, matter bad dichotomy outside of Christianity as well. And we do it all the time. We can, and people do, twist just about any religious or spiritual belief into a form of this, although that's not what the belief is intended for. We can take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha as a way of mentally distancing ourselves from all the problems in the world and our own lives. We can believe in the power of prayer and contemplation and focus solely on what we think of as spiritual red individual benefits. We may not directly make statements about materiality being bad, but that's how we act. John challenges all of that. He says that the world is the sacred made visible, that God created matter, took on matter, and worked out the process of salvation through materiality. God, he says, is a God of matter, not just a God of spirit. He directs us to the holiness of all that is how all the world is worthy of respect and reverence, and how the materiality of the world holds not just the materiality of our bodies, but the reality of our spiritual connections as well, with God and with each other. And we're right back into relational understanding if we understand our spirituality and the many beautiful forms that can take in a group of you use, as intimately bound with our materiality, if all of this, all of our relations with ourselves and others and the earth and the divine are all accepted as spiritual in nature and material in practice, then we must fall back in wonder at the awe-inspiring significance of our own bodies and of this planetary body that holds and supports us. Three centuries before John, Augustine, big famous Saint Augustine, wrote about what he saw as the two revelations from God, the book of Scripture, most of you familiar with, and the book of nature. Just as important. He said, some people, in order to discover God, read a book. But there is a great book, the very appearance of created things. Look above and below. Note. Read. God, whom you want to discover, did not make the letters with ink. He put in front of your eyes the very things he made. Can you ask for a louder voice than this? As we read the book of nature, as we accept both the spiritual and material connections between ourselves and all that exists, as we integrate our ecological understanding to include relationships with ourselves, others, nature, and the divine, may we recognize that while we stand at a precipice, We do not stand alone. We stand in relationship to ancestors that saw the goodness of all of it. And we stand in relationship to future generations that need our collaboration so that they too can experience the sacredness of all of it. Amen and blessed be.